0: Make noise, 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 make noise. This is a man that is a genius at what he does. I've known this man for many, many years. I've remixed at least three of his records on three different occasions. When it comes to, when it comes to being creative, when it comes to Musical ability. When it comes to musical genius, I love this man.
1: Give it up for Will I am. How are you, sir? What up, Fat Man Scoop? Talk to me. What's going on with you? Oh, man, just trying to hang in there, you know? Shit's upside down. but I'm try- I'm Trying to stay uh, optimistic, which is like the hardest thing to do in 2020. Who would have thought that 2020 was the hardest obstacle to be optimistic? A hundred percent. First
0: of all, where are you? Because you're a global guy like me. So where are you? You in L.A.? Are you in London? Where, where are you right now? I'm in Los Angeles. Okay, so you're in L.A. You're in L.A. You've you been there the whole quarantine? Yeah, going on um, three and a half months. How are, you, how are you getting along out there right now? Just because just, just I don't know, I, I haven't spoken to anybody in L.A., so I want to know what the conditions are out there as opposed to New York. What's happening out there?
1: Uh, restaurants are starting to open up slowly, but that's it's still weird to go out. Um, bars are opening up slowly, but still weird to go out. Uh, you know, last week we were still protesting, mm-hmm. um, but for some reason, I didn't feel afraid to go out to protest. It's crazy. I feel, I feel strange going out to eat but felt like let's go during the protest. Okay. Okay, well, what what protests did you go to? What protests did you attend? Uh the marches in Hollywood, the ones in uh downtown. A couple in downtown and then two two in Hollywood and two downtown. And and, and did people recognize you or you were just kind of you had the mask on so nobody knows what it is. Um yeah, I had the mask on and the glasses, you know, but I wasn't, I wasn't like incognito to like, yo, I don't want to be recognized. I was incognito, like, I don't want to catch COVID. Right,
0: but, you, but COVID. you had the guts to go out there. So I actually, I really respect it.
1: So you're from Los Angeles, you grew up, you grew up in what part of Los Angeles? I grew up in East LA. We were the only black family in an all Mexican neighborhood. Oh man. Until I was about 20, until I was 23. Like no, actually, until I was about twenty-six. Like we after we got our first Grammy, I was twenty-seven years old. I was still in East LA. It's and, still in
0: East LA. Hold on, let me see your face, bro. We gotta see your face. There you go, there, there you go, brother. Um, what was it like growing up as a black man in an all Mexican neighborhood? What, what, what was that experience like? Because I know it's black and Mexican out there can be a little funny. Am
1: I right? it could but we were we were we were fortunate because my grandma was best friends with the uh the guy that started the gang in the in our neighborhood in the 50s or whatever that was his mom was good friends with my grandma like best friends growing up mm-hmm. so it was the best most beautifulest it was the best i mean i if you had to tell me yo what memories do you want to keep the memories of touring the world or the memories of you in the projects i would say the memories in the projects because those memories are why i am who i am today so i could recreate exactly what i have because i have that foundation those memories those experiences that life i value that being in the projects, all Mexican neighborhood, that shit was the most beautifulest thing. Like, and I've seen, I've seen so much. I've seen, you know, Black Peas is super successful, made a lot of money with beats. But goddamn it, my life in the projects, around all Mexicans, I wouldn't change it for the world. Now, now when you were, when you were growing up,
0: <clears throat> obviously we know you for who you are now, the way you dress, your style, everything. How were you dressing in? How, what was your style like back then? Was it anything like it is now?
1: Were you always the same person? Um, before MC Hammer, <laughs> I dressed like uh, De La so. Okay, nineteen and nineteen. No, because MC Hammer before De La so, I dress. I try to dress like. Uh... No, MC Hammer was after. MC Hammer was after De La so. Okay, so I was like a lip. I was, yeah, I was a little bit MC Hammer and Kwame. When my mom gave me the freedom to dress how I wanted to, the first thing I dressed like was MC Hammer. Okay. And because before that, I wore suits. Because my mom was like, you ain't going to be out there in them streets looking like the dudes in the streets and get yourself in trouble, so you put this suit on. So right. I was in the projects with suits. <laughs> and and, how uh, did they look How did
0: they look at you in the project with projects with a suit on? Like, what were people saying? Because... It
1: seemed like you were going to Wall Street. You were in the projects, bro. No, but when I say suits, I'm talking about thrift store suits. Like, I always had, like, a, you know, suit slacks. I didn't really have, like, play clothes. I didn't have sweatsuits. I had suit slacks And that were always too big for me because we were really poor. And I had, like, I would wear T-shirts and vests or suit jackets. I always had church clothes on. And then I could dress how I wanted to dress. So my mom took me to Michael Levine's to pick out material so she could make my clothes. Right. And so I told her make me MC Hammer pants. And so ever since like 1988, 89, I I wore MC Hammer pants. And uh, and then when 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 uh, when, when um, Native Tongues came around, I was like, yo, that's this is me. Them dudes. Right. Them dudes. I want I wanted to be like, pasta noose and q tip and that that's when I that's when I found like this is this is this is the way I want to express myself like these cats because they you know they were they sent free they they weren't trying to dress like the gangsters and then ironically in 1992 I got signed to Easy E that's when I started rocking with ruthless dressing like freaking you know Digable Planets and Tribe Called Quest. Okay, so so I wouldn't expect Ruthless Records,
0: the home of N.W.A., to sign a guy that's behaving and moving like Tribe Called Quest. How did you wind up meeting Eazy? What what
1: was the story behind that? I used to freestyle, and I used to win this rap contest every week for like a year and a half, two years. I was like the reigning champion at this rap contest that people like. um Leonardo DiCaprio went to Bud Bundy. He had this, this, this underage club for familiar with children. And everybody went there in Hollywood. And uh, I got picked up by this dude. His name is Shifty. Shifty Shell Shop from a group called Crazy Town. And I've known him ever since junior high school. And there's this other guy by the name, uh, guy by the name of uh, DJ AM. Mm-hmm. AM. I've known DJ AM ever since junior high school. And so we all went to this club called Ballistics. And, um, you know, Easy e got wind of this underage club that all the Hollywood people went to, people from, like, television shows, 210*. That was, like, the Hollywood spot. But I didn't know. I'm from East L.A. I just... A friend of mine from from Beverly Hills used to pick me up in his Bronco because I used to go to a school called Pacific Palisade, so... I, I lived in an all-Mexican neighborhood, went to an all-white school, and then was tearing the mic up in Hollywood. And Easy right. e sent a, some scouts over there, because that's when Dre left. Ice Cube left first, Dre left second. So Easy e started getting a whole new roster of talent. And so I was one of those cats um, that was a part of Easy es roster. So I used to ghostwrite for them. And he was like, nigga, freestyle, nigga, you crazy, nigga. Freestyle nick. So I used to like, boom, check it out, off the top. So I got signed because I freestyle.
0: So okay, well, hold on. Now, now who did you well you can't say who you ghost wrote for. But so you you did do projects that we wouldn't expect. You did write on projects that we wouldn't expect you to have written on. So 5150
1: was the album. So he and I, so I I got a song with Easy E, two songs with Easy E that are out. One is called Merry Motherfucking Christmas, the first song I ever recorded. And that song was like, you know, it was a, a tongue-in-cheek, tongue you don't take it serious, it's just fucking around saying Merry Motherfucking Christmas. And then another song called Niggas and Jews. It was me, um, Easy e and a group called Blood of Abraham. And Ben Yod from Blood of Abraham, he still to this day directs a lot of Black Eyed Peas videos. So Easy e was just like, he was an entrepreneur, he, think about that, that that cat he signed JJ fad he signed blood of Abraham he signed the first white girl rapper Terry B um, he signed uh, you know this guy by the name of uh, what's it he had a flat top with a, a blonde square on it um, oh, I forgot his name but he easy he was super eclectic if you think about the things he signed um, what, so now what 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 was your first impression
0: when you met Easy E? Cause, Cause I'm thinking fuck the police, I'm thinking gangster, I'm thinking, I'm thinking street dude. What was your first impression upon
1: walking up and meeting him? So that's the thing, like when you think of street dude, Arabian Prince was street dude, Egyptian Lover street dude. And when you think of Dr. Dre, he was in like, you know, think about Dr. Dre, 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 Dre. That, streets is not just like gangster rap. Right. Gangster rap came at, like, the streets is so eclectic. And so, so to limit streets just to like what corporate America said black music was, mm-hmm. so we could fill up prisons, nah, bro. So he, he was- he, these is proof of that. Like, I, my family tree is connected to Ruthless, the hardest gangster rap label, but they also did where J.J. Fad and went here to rock. My five rhymes can never be stopped, right? Supersonic. And that was all, like, you know, inspired by African Bombada, which is inspired by Kraftwerk. Mm-hmm. So hip-hop is not just, you know, street gangster rap, because the streets is so diverse.
0: 100%. I mean, you are 100% right about gangster. There's different sides of the street. I come from the street, you come from the street, and we make different kinds of music. So the street has all kinds of people in it. And I do, I do agree with you when you say that some of the music is made to fill up the prisons. And people, if you don't know about that, just go Google it. What was what? Do you remember your last conversation with
1: Easy? Yeah. So every birthday, I'm, I'm, my birthday is March fifteenth. We signed EZ Easy and Ruthless in nineteen ninety two. So nineteen ninety two, it was like November of ninety two, September. I got my first record deal, ten thousand dollars. I'm like, yo, I came home with a ten thousand dollar check. My mom, think about it. My mom was younger than me right now. I'm freaking 16, I just turned 17 years old. Right. I come home with a $10,000 check. I was like, Ma, look, she's like, boy, what's that? I was like, 10, who, who gave you $10,000? I was like, Ma, I got a record deal. Ain't nobody gave you no business to be getting no record deal. Give me that goddamn check. <laughs> what is this, Ruthless Records? I was like, Ma, E. NWA. Mm. Now who told you to sign this goddamn record deal? Because you were too young. Who who is your attorney? My, I got an attorney. What's his name? Robert Lieberman. And who introduced you to this Robert Lieberman? Jerry Heller told me he gave me my attorney. <laughs> this motherfucker gave me my attorney. Right. So hold on, I'm seven. I've just turned seventeen years old. We signed Ruthless, and I'm like, yo, Jerry, bro, like. We don't got an attorney. He's like, don't worry about it, little buddy. I'll get you an attorney. <laughs> so, the cla- so, The classic story. So I come home. My mom's like furious. But then my brother, I was like, Ma, can I just cast a check? I want to, you know, it's my money. So she let me cast a check. And every, every, after that, every March 15th, Easy e would take me to Monty's in Calabasas. This is before Kanye and the Kardashians were in mm. Calabasas. We used to go to Calabasas every single weekend to go to dinner with them, but every birthday we would go to Monty's. And every Friday we would go up there to get our $150 check. So that was the deal. We get paid for, we get we get signed for $10,000, and every Friday we go, we'd go get a check. to get oh. our, 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 our per diem. Our that's, that, that's that typical record company. Too. Go ahead. So. And so I would go to school, like, I already got my, my mom was like, you better study, Willie. You better get your butt in that school. You're getting fails. I was like, mom, they're not, they're not. I was so arrogant because I was like, I got a record deal already. And I was in the projects and everybody in the hood were like, hey, Willie, fucking Willie signed the fucking Easy E, dog. Like all the fucking Cholos that said, like, hey, fool, tell that fucking Easy E to come over here. Come over here, bathroom like if you saw me, Fat Man school, like if you saw me when I was seventeen, dog, I talk like this, they say. For real, dog, like no no mentiras, homes. Like that's how my whole fucking family talks, homes. Right, so if you you would have if you see my aunt like, and then he had a easy e knew people that knew my people in the projects. Right. Willie's my name in the projects. Hey, hey, Willie. My homeboy know one of your homeboys from the from that neighborhood, nigga. And so and he and and when I went back to my neighborhood in the projects they were like, hey, fucking Willie, dog, you know fucking easy e, huh? Hmm. Hey, tell that fucker I said what's up, dog. So I wow. just had so much love and respect for my neighborhood. And so when I would go to school, I was like, I already got I got this made. I got it made. So when Easy E passed away to your your first question, the last thing, it was March the 18th, 1995. He was like, Well, I can't take you for your birthday this year, but I'll be out real soon. I got bronchitis. March the 18th, he told me, I got bronchitis. I can't, so March 15th, sorry, March 15th, I got bronchitis. But I'm going to send my homeboys over there, Pat and Jim Bob, so you can continue working on 100 Watts. So this group that I used to write for called a hundred Watts. He was like, yo, I got this group. They from they, they the, my homeboys. I grew up with what should be the name. I was like, call them niggas. A hundred Watts. It's a hundred Watts. Cause and of so the Watts neighborhood. Actually, yeah. They, yeah. Cause I, I like, you know, so that's what we were working on with Pat Jim Bob. And, um, and so March 15th, I was supposed to go to dinner with them Like always, um, but I talked to him. He was like, when I get out, I got bronchitis. When I get out, MTV really likes y'all's video. And I really want to focus on y'all's group. You know, Digable Planets is big. I was like, yo, this is group about to come out. Far Side. you know, we've been signing a ruthless before them. <laughs> I was like, we should come out. We should be out already. Far Side. like, why are you going to let them niggas come out before us? But we never came out. Never we were that out. group. We were that classic group of like adult group that signed to a label, and we never came out. Yeah, but well, well, that happens to a lot of people. Fat Man
0: Scoop was in a group called the Biz Boys, who was signed to Teddy Riley, which was uh GR Productions. Never came out. That guy came out later as Fat Man Scoop. This guy came out later as Will I Am. Sometimes it's not supposed to be on that label. Speaking yeah. of which. Speaking of which, you're the second person that I heard say something about Jerry Heller. Have you ever gone back to Jerry Heller and said, listen, man, what you did wasn't cool? Or or, or have you had any kind of conversation with him about about those business practices? Because everybody complained about it. Ice Cube, eventually Dre. And that's not just watching the movie. That's just hearing it. Did you ever go back to him and complain?
1: Or did you just let bygones be bygones? no I didn't Um, that was we are so fortunate that we had that experience all I know is I'm in the projects I got $10,000 our record never came out but I learned so much so you know I didn't get hurt in that because I didn't get screwed I came up on 10 G's and, and and free studio time and I learned and uh and I and I kept a pretty cool relationship with Jerry afterwards. He would be like little buddy, especially when Black Eyed Peas blew up. He was like, I'm so proud of you, little buddy. I'm so proud of you guys. You, I always knew him and there was the guy named Jerry Ballon, Easy E and Mike Kearns or whatever it is. There was it was uh but there was a dark energy. There was some like darkness in at, at, at Rufus. And I was, we were just innocent little kids. I didn't smoke weed. We were, um, and we were just around the most thugginest. I never met Suge. And even when we signed, a, I mean, it was crazy because then we signed an Interscope. Mm-hmm. And then when Beats blew up, I'm like, yo Jer- uh, yo, Dre, what is the, what is the odds? What are the odds that when you left Ruthless, I signed with Easy? Then Easy passed away. We started Black Eyed Peas. Now we're on Interscope. And now we at Apple with Beats? And I'm, I'm a part of Beats? Like, what are the fucking odds? Crazy. When it's, when it's supposed
0: to happen, it's supposed to happen. My last question about Jerry Heller. Being that you went through this experience, what are some of the things that you experienced that you could tell young artists to look for in deals or situations that are not
1: Right. Hey, you remember like, um, you remember like, uh, the rap seminar and like all these like hip hop summits and shit. Like we don't have that nowadays. They don't, we don't have those things. So I remember like, you know, when, when, when I, I hate saying this too, cause it sounds like some uncle shit, like when we was coming up, <laughs> like <Right. laughs> I like say that, like, so I remember like on my journey, um. From, from the beginning, it was about get knowledge up. Like, know your business. And there's a lot of kids right now that know their business and owning your masters, but there's so much more than just to owning your masters. It's about networking. It's about, like, not depending on folks. And Instagram is cool. This is all great and groovy and all, but there's so much more in brand building. There's so much, like, international knowledge and knowing the the, the, all the versions of you throughout the world so whatever type of artist you are whatever type of entrepreneur you want to be or entrepreneur like an artist entrepreneur like a person that is like navigating his or her career managers are great but jeff bezos doesn't have a manager managers are great but jack dorsey doesn't have a manager Managers are great, but Phil Nike doesn't have a manager. Managers are awesome, but the folks that build mega fucking brands, they don't have managers, they have companies. So artists have to come, I would, I would inspire, I would try to like relay the importance of artists building companies. And music is just a part of the company that they build. Because for some reason, i have nothing against managers they're awesome but a lot of times in our industry managers are only after the quick dollar they're after that quick return that they could commission and when it comes to long play money back-end deals and uh you know cashing in five ten years from now no one has the patience to see that far mm-hmm. and all the all the folks the jeff bezos the jack dorsey's from twitter it's all long play It's all. I'm going to build this right now and I'm going to see the return five years from now. And these people that I collaborate, all the different versions of me around the world, we are going to create and own this empire. Right. We're going to own our intellectual property, not just in songs, but in, you know, logos and products and merch. And, you know, Rihanna, she played the long game. Salute. You know, Kanye. He played the long game, but realized he was playing the long game and got frustrated in between and was like spazzing out and then realized that it's the long game. How did Rihanna Rihanna
0: play the long game and how did Kanye play the long game so that people will understand? Because I
1: understand, but we need them to understand. How did they play the long game and what was the play? So first off, like artists, they get managed in, in a way that, you know, they're selling somebody else's product. And so they get in advance. Yo, I'm gonna get you a million-dollar check right now, and we're gonna sign you exclusive to this particular brand, and you have to show up to all these events and you need to sport their brand and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's the short game. The long game is like, yo, we're gonna set up. I found this factory in Malaysia, or I found this factory in Indonesia, or I found this factory in Mexico, or we're gonna build a factory in freaking Watts. We're gonna build a factory in Fifth Ward, Mississippi. We're right. gonna transform the South Bronx and these broken down buildings and build manufacturing in our community. And we are gonna see a return 10 years from now. That's a long game. Right, right. We're and and gonna I, and, go raise money and, and, uh, and, and we're gonna start this fund. And I got, I'm pulling money from these, you know, these folks. But we're not gonna take the money now. We're gonna invest it, and the return is ten years from now. That's a long. So, so people, I'll, I'll explain it like this: Rihanna do, taking
0: a shot with Fenty Beauty and making makeup for dark skinned women, and killing it. Long play. That's right. Uh, um, Kanye West leaving night. That's the hottest shit ever. Going to Adidas, creating easy, long play. Um, Will I am, going and, 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 and creating creating companies within tech, long play. So you have to be, you, you can't just look at the short dollar, you have to look at the long term play down the line and how that works out for you. Another thing is that for any artist on here, when you're making music, music should be the thing that you love, of course, but it gets you in the room. To talk to the big man about the long term play. If you make music and you're not using it to do business, you're, you're in the wrong game. Would
1: you? Agree? I I, I would even add. I would even. Uh, I would even add to that. If you have, if you make music, and then you make music in a way to where you create, you know, this. This infinity with your audience that. It's solid, and, and they're and they they they're, they're bought into the identity of what it is you're doing and the culture of what it is you've helped create and amplify. And then you go out and you start networking with all the folks that are synonymous with that vibration. You don't have to go to the big man. There's even a longer play. And the longer play is to I'm ignore the to big man. Right. To ignore selling whatever it is you built. And for you to be the big man, mm-hmm. right, right. So you don't have like, as much as I like the big man, fuck the big man. Now, 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 <laughs> now, now, now. Now there's a, there's a, a a
0: third play, like you said, which is you create a product instead of instead of going to Samsung and and and, and letting Samsung say. Yeah, we're going to use your name and likeness. We're going to give you 25%. We're going to take 75%. You invest your time, your money, and your resources. You come to them with the product, and you're like, listen, I'll take 85, and you'll take 15 for the distribution, and, and, and we'll split the cost on marketing. We're going into a master class here, bro. We're, 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 we're going
1: into master class territory. So, no, it's, even, it's, it's deeper than that. It's oh. like I created this product, and this product, I own the IP. I own the intellectual property of this mm-hmm. product. And and uh, whatever what the whatever whatever the split is on on the physical product, the long play is creating a product that has some type of technical back end where it's aggregating in knowledge. The real long play is data. Okay. And I, I would, I would take, I would, the long play is like, yo, I'm going to make a product. I'll, and if you have the ability to like collaborate with the Samsung and then you're like, yo, I want it to be a 50, 50 split, or I want it to be a 80, 10, a 90, 10 split, 90 us, 10 you. I would say like, yo, let's build the product. They could take a hundred percent of the physical and I own one hundred percent of the digital. Right, right, right. Because free, you know what? Free is the biggest thing in the world. Look, we on Instagram for free, bro. And yep. Instagram is worth hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars. Because they have the data. They have the data. Yeah, but I want to say, like, what black business is in that business? We we are not there. We are we are not participating in the new world. We are still worried about like, you know, long play. And even from that perspective, that's still short play because we have to realize the power of free. The power of free, yo, if you can figure out how to make a hundred billion dollars by giving away something for free, that, that there, that's new age thinking.
0: That, that, you're 100% right about that. People, every night I go live at 6 p.m. I do news, opinion, rants, celebrity interviews like Will. I Will.i.m. Uh, keep watching. Monday is LL Cool J. Wednesday is Candace Owens. Thursday is Tretch. And Saturday is Lino Brancato from The Bronx Tale. And don't forget to follow me if you're new to the show so that you can know who's coming every night. Speaking of, the, speaking of which, your guide is heavy on tech. What are
1: your views on artificial intelligence? Artificial intelligence is awesome. Artificial intelligence. The idea of artificial intelligence is great because we're gonna have prop it's like that's like imagine it's eighteen hundred and somebody's like, there is this calculator thing coming. What are your views on calculators? Like you think that's going to disrupt math you know mathematics and it's going to make the mind lazier to not you know do do complex mathematics naturally we the calculator is awesome it helped solve awesome problems big problems in an awesome way imagine it was like 1900 somebody was like yo what are you, what is this computer are you afraid of the computer what is your views on computation? And then here we are with this fucking powerful computer in my fucking hand. When you think of when you say AI fuck the movies. All AI is is advanced computing. It's comp it's computing on a totally different level. With like crazy crazy math complex math algorithms that are like some other shit where our community here's the reason why i i think ai isn't good is because we black people are not writing the algorithms we black people are not making sure making sure we're aiming our nieces and nephews or sons and our daughters to make sure that there are no data biases so if there's race if we still dealing with fucking racism in 2020 what the fuck do you think we're going to be dealing with in 2030 when the algorithms are being written now on how the machine is going to be in between people? If we are fucking dealing with racism now with person to person, then we are going to have the machine to person because the algorithms are being written right the fuck now based on our behavior. Based on everything we're talking on the internet right now. The the algorithm is absorbing all the perspectives of human excellence or human dumb shit so if you hear things like inclusion inclusion I don't want fucking inclusion because even inclusion is makes black people inferior to somebody else's fucking empire that they built that didn't care about us in the first place so now you want me to be included in that how about I just get my own right the fuck now how about we for once get our own shit I don't want to be included in the system that doesn't want me Right. You want to make it to build my own shit. Right. I'm 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 with you. What you
0: said, see, I would you said it, we getting into a deep conversation, but you said it, I was thinking one way and you were thinking a whole different way. If people write the algorithms based on their perspectives and racism and whatever, then that means that the algorithm and and, and what's going on. From the tech side, and AI will naturally be biased against people of color. And that right there was something that I wasn't thinking about. I was thinking about along the lines of AI being the police. You know, I, I, I forget what Minority Report, the movie where, you know, where everything, AI controlled, AI is the police. It catches you here, it catches you here, it does that. I wasn't even thinking that from it. Thinking of it from a level of racism, and that's something that's gonna make me go downstairs and roll in my bed from 8 p.m. to night to eleven p.m. trying to fucking go to sleep. Um, I never thought about I never thought about it that way. And another thing that you said that was really, really strong is if we don't include ourselves as people in this now, we will pay later.
1: So technology. Technology is the tool, you know, it's like a hammer, but if you get, it's like, but our culture, we would just wear the hammer as a fucking necklace. Our culture is not going to look at the hammer and be like, yo, I'm going to make a fucking house. We just want to floss the hammer. And that's something in our, in our, in our, uh, in our, in our community that we need to we need to compete. Once we get on, we compete and we fucking rule. We rock F1. Lewis Hamilton. They didn't think that a black a black person could win every F1 race. So like, yo, boom. Once we once we get in the lane, we we win. I was saying that yesterday. I was saying that yesterday. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, you know? The Williams sisters. You know, basketball was in the NBA. Uh, but I, 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 in, in the beginning, basketball wasn't a black sport. That became our sport. So I, I, why can't, we need to want to do that. We need to want to build IP. We need to want to compete in the realm of tech. It changes the world. Think about, think about what's coming next. Like COVID-19 hit us and then we had the same shit that we're, we've been fighting for for years. My mama's fight, my grandma's fight, my grandma's grandma's fight. Just came out of nowhere like, yo, what? I thought I thought we would have cooled off during COVID-19. Y'all like, what? Y'all serious right now? Y'all bringing this shit back? Oh, I guess. Here we go. But what, what was awesome about, not awesome, the only good thing that happened was people realized and empathize for once what we're going through because they didn't have the distractions of going mm-hmm. through. They didn't have the distractions of distractions. They just saw it the way we've been living it forever, so now yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't black against white. It's everybody against racism.
0: Yes, I say that. I say that all the time. And, uh, everybody against racism.
1: So, all the while, all the while, we haven't even realized that the next wave is coming. And the next wave is big companies realize I don't need everybody at work. We made money this second quarter. Yeah, the big companies realize like, hmm, I don't need this office. We made money this second quarter, so this next wave of mass job loss, that's next. Right. And all the folks that have Tesla, I love Tesla. I invested in Tesla a long time ago in two thousand and four. But we're 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 programming the AI in that car to be self driverless real soon. And when that happens, ain't no Uber drivers, bro. Ain't no truck drivers, and a lot of black and brown people are gonna be asked out from 25 to 2030, from 2025 to 2030. We are gonna see. You think shit's tough right the fuck now? Yo 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 yo. Wait till 2025 2030, because people are people are protesting the same thing. Unfortunately, that our ancestors and and, and our, you know our leaders have been fighting for equality. They ain't protesting hunger. People ain't protesting like I'm hungry. People ain't looting cuz they hungry. People ain't looting cuz they, they ain't worked in 2 years. They, we ain't even talking about what the fuck's coming, bro. We like right, it, it always happens with music. Music came, Napster came and it fucked our industry up. Just did 2000. It all, it, the tech wave fucks with music first no, not even just music if this was 1900 the tech wave fucked with theaters and operas because before there was a music industry a singer sang at the fucking opera right. before there was a music industry the, the actors sang at the theater and then radio came they didn't know what to put on radio so they put theater on radio then they didn't know what to put on TV so they put radio on TV it always fucks with music first. And what happened in 2000 with Napster is happening right now. With We can't tour. Stay, okay. y- stay your ass at home. That's what the season is right now. Yep. Sit your ass down is what, what, if you had to like summarize 2020 from March to now, is sit your ass down, stay your ass at home. And then, you know, the uprising happened. and We was like, fuck that. I ain't staying home. I'm going to risk my life to go out and protest. This is just the beginning of what's coming next because mass job, job loss is around the corner. You got, you got to see like what, what, were the, what companies ex, you know, accelerated during this time. All the tech companies, all the online digital companies, digital only, digital, 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 no physical, no physical, no physical. So the world is being transformed right the fuck now. And if we are not in that business of the transformation, we are once again going to be fucking hooping and hollering about equality and inclusion, right? Because we ain't fucking focused right now. It's like these motherfuckers is like, hmm, let's keep these motherfuckers back again. Let's fuck with their minds again. It's a wave, bro. Every fucking hundred years, go back to 1920. What the fuck happened? And then the fucking Great Depression happened. Yes, right? We we they they we, we our, our ancestors were freed because of technology. There weren't slaves in the North. Think about slavery, bro. It wasn't in the North because it's too fucking cold in the North to have fucking slaves in the like, Ain't no fucking farms when it's fucking snowing. Right. It's why Chicago, Chicago, and the South is the South. Because that's what that was America's factory at one point in time that made all the fucking products. Right. And then technology came around and we don't need niggas no more. And then World War One happened and they needed us in the factories to make war machines for America. So Detroit was born and black people moved to Detroit and then they moved those factories and black people were still fucking empty in an empty city that doesn't produce anything. You got to see it's all based on technology. And I've been working in technology for so long that I see the setup. I see what the fuck's happening, I, right? I'm like, yo, I see these moves, bro. <clears throat> I see these moves. I see it, and I know that we need to get in it. We have enough black billionaires. We have a, enough black millionaires. It didn't take uh, $100 million to start Facebook. It didn't take $100 million to start fucking Instagram. But yet, we fucking doing fucking lives on Instagram? Like we should be fucking doing lives on our own shit. You can't trust these motherfuckers, bro. They're responsible for Brexit. They're responsible for fucking <clears throat> meddling with data and selling data and micro targeting and all this shit. You can't trust these niggas, bro.
0: Listen, woo wee. Shit, I was going to ask you about Michael Jackson. I'm, I'm, I'm. Shit, I'm all over the place now. I mean, you have given, you have given a dissertation on. What people need to actually hear. What this man just sat here and told you is about the realest uh, scenario that could take place. People the thing with machines is that they don't say, "I want to stay home this afternoon to get head." They don't go in the corner and cry because they lost their girlfriend. They don't say I'd rather get high than go to work today. You put oil in them or whatever you're gonna do and they keep working. You know, everybody talks about illegal immigrants and oh, they're the ones taking the jobs. They ain't gonna take your job. A machine's gonna take your fucking job. And please, I'm gonna post this up on Instagram when it's over, you go back and you watch it over because de- you just definitely got an education. We're gonna make this a little lighter right now. You were one of the few people to ever work with Michael Jackson. Please tell us, for for those who who will never get the opportunity because he's gone, to deal with Michael Jackson, what was he like, man?
1: Michael Jackson and Prince were... uh... I'll start with Michael Jackson. He was... uh... He was shy. Um and he loved music and uh, super like critical to every single sound and he was a competitor and he collaborated with the streets like if you think about you know Boogaloo Shrimp and Poppin and Taco in the 80s these guys were just like street dancers yep. and without those guys it wouldn't be Michael Jackson Moonwalking Right. So he reached out to the streets at his height, right after freaking Off the Wall in Studio 54. Think about that stuff. And then Quincy Jones was like 50 years old. He already had a career. Quincy Jones went from playing jazz, hanging out with freaking Ray Charles and Malcolm X in Chicago, and scoring films, responsible for Oprah Winfrey and, and uh, Whoopi Goldberg, did The Whiz and saw this young guy that used to be in a boy band. So imagine the optics of Quincy Jones and his colleagues like, oh, you working with that dude? The dude from the boy band? Think about like, you know, the Commodores and all these groups that were funk musicians, like real hardcore Black music. And although they liked the Jackson 5, it wasn't, you know, (laughs) It wasn't as sophisticated as black, adult. It wasn't George Clinton. She's a bad man, Majemma. Like, she's a bad man, Gemma and PYT. It's like A and B, bro. You know that because you can mix the two, but one came first. And you know Mike was in the studio like, I want to do a song like she's a bad man, Gemma. I love that song. I love it. I want to do something like that. I want to do something like that. So Quincy Jones went and did something like that. So he was a, he was a hunter. He was a, a competitor. Michael Jackson was fierce, bro. Like, working with him, he taught me so much. The, the music would never come out. One day he was like, how much you want to get paid? I was like, I don't want to get paid. What do you mean? Like, Mike, like working with you, there's a lot of people that take advantage of you. Well, I'll well, I pay for your flights. I was like, no, I'll pay for my own flights. I'll pay for my flights. I, don't, I ain't one of those dudes. I'll fly to see you. We could work. And if the song comes out, then we talk about money. And that's why we became good friends. Because it wasn't about money. It was about having, just like creating. And when I was in the projects in, in East LA, all my homeboys came to my, uh, to my door. They're like, hey, Willie, hey, Willie, they're fucking filming a video over here in the factories, dog. They're filming a fucking video, homes." You tell your mom, hey, Deborah, Deborah, hey, can Willie come being part of the video? So my mom was like, Willie ain't going to be in no video. Boy, you better get your ass in the house. Mama, come on, mom, please, it's Michael Jackson. Boy, you ain't going in no alleyways shooting no video. Get your butt in that damn house. Nigga, that was Thriller. And when you see the making of Thriller, you see all those Mexicans in the alley, those are all my friends I grew up with. Right. Like, I could point every single person out in the, in the making of Thriller. I was like, that's my friend, that's my friend, that's my friend. I was supposed to be there. And so when I was working with Michael Jackson, I was like, hey, when you film Thriller up the street for my projects in the back of the alleys in the factories, my mom didn't let me go. She was like, well, bless her heart, because if you would have went, we wouldn't be here today. I was like, why do you say that? Because you would have probably felt like you've accomplished something there. And the fact that she didn't let you do that started your drive. That became your energy. I remember we had this conversation. He was like, "Why do you call yourself Will I Am?" Do you mean? I was like, "No, I don't mean it in the esoterical I Am. That's I don't play with that. I was born up apostolic. I, I don't mean I Am biblical. I don't like. I don't play that. My name is Will I Am because I am strong with will. I don't mean it in a biblical way. It's not God's will. And I am that I am. I don't play that." That's blasphemous. My name is William. I just thought it was really clever to break it up with. To break it up, right. He was like, and I noticed when I sent your name on the email, it showed up as a hot link. How did you do that? How is your name a hot link? I was like, oh, oh, yeah. So I realized that I am, the AM is Armenia. So I went out and purchased all the I ams. I am hungry. I am, you know. I am silent, I am forty-one, I am I AM slash anything. I, I got I got all the I ams that you could possibly name on the internet. Right. Every I am URL. I am American, I am Chinese, I am driving on sunset, I am turning the left on La Cienega, I am fifty seven, I am twenty seven, I am anything you could everything. It's a sentence. And that's right. important for artificial intelligence. Right it's important for the machine to understand natural language and natural language. You've got to have, I am in natural language. So if you're going to use the internet for the way to the machine and talk to the machine, the way I'm talking to you, you uh, You for, for identification. Yeah. So I got that. Like I've been working on this for, you know, 15 years really just, Building and I have, I have an artificial intelligence team now, and we've been building this natural language understanding platform for about six years. So yeah, um, Michael Jackson was awesome. I Miss him.
0: So what? what what's, what's your greatest memory or greatest story about Michael Jackson? Swiss Beat said that he had he walked in Michael Jackson's house and the Thriller plaque was on the on the floor, and and Swiss looked like. Oh shit, the thriller plaque. He said, What do you want? You want it? Go ahead and take it. I don't care about it. this is the thriller plaque. He's like, it just takes you just take it. I don't care about it. What's the what's the craziest or the most memorable Michael Jackson story
1: of something that you ever experienced with? Him? Um Prince invited me to go perform with him in Las Vegas. And Michael Jackson called me that night because Black Peas were having a show at, at like 10 o'clock. So Michael Jackson calls me up. He's like, I heard you're in Vegas. I'm like, yeah, we have a show tonight. What time's the show? 1030, oh rats, I gotta put the kids to sleep. I was like, but after our show, I'm going on late night with Prince. I'm rocking with Prince at the Palms. No, at Rio, at Club at club Rio. You should come. Oh no, I can't go to that. I can't go to that. I was like, yo Mike, you should come. It should be fun. No, I don't. I don't think that'll be cool. I was like, no, it will be cool. Do you think so? I was like, yeah. Let me call Ruth, right now, so she could get you in and make sure you're situated. But then I called Ruth on three way. I was like, yo, Ruth, Michael's on the other line. Can you make sure that he's situated for the show tonight and put him in a nice, discreet area where no one. Thank you. i be. I really love it. I'll be really nice. I'm coming with two. Coming with me, Chris Tucker, and my manager. So. I was late. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I rush out the cab and I'm running down freaking Las Vegas Boulevard to go to Rio. And so as I'm running, somebody was like, Wyclef. So I'm like, oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> I was like, I got work to do because they still think I'm fucking Wyclef. The moment right. they call fucking Yclef, Will I Am, that's when I really made it. So, right. so I'm running down the fucking thing. So I get to the fucking palms and Mike was there. I was like, I'm so sorry I'm late. And so they took Mike to the seat and then I go on stage and rock with Prince. So as, as I finish, I come and sit down to Mike and then Prince is playing the bass, He's killing the bass on this solo. And so Mike, so Prince is coming out, coming down the freaking, uh, coming through the audience with the bass in his hand. And he comes and puts his leg like this, bro, I kid you not. So I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here, Michael Jackson sitting here, Chris Tucker's sitting here, right at me. So Prince comes up with the bass and like oh, he put the bass, puts his foot on the table right in front of Mike's face, and so then so he walks away. And so Mike looks to his manager, whispers in his manager's ear, who's sitting on the right of him. And then Chris Tucker's like, damn, like everybody's like, yo, I've never seen something like this. This is crazy. So then Mike's manager comes around, sits in between me and Chris Tucker and tells me, Mike wants to know, why didn't you mention him while you were on stage? Mind you, Mike's right next to me. He could have told me that himself. Right. So she's like, why didn't you mention me when I I was on stage? So I'm like, I'm sorry, Mike, um, that's not my stage. And out of respect to Prince, I can't be given shout outs when that's not my stage. Right. So, I'm so sorry, Mike. It's not my not. I'm sorry if I offended you by not acknowledging you, your presence. But I thought you wanted to be discreet. Right. We, we're in a private area. I didn't. I didn't want to like blow your cover. Right. So then, Romaine Bain, the manager, goes back and sits next to Mike. He whispers again. Shoo 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 shoo. She gets up, comes in between me and Chris Tucker and says, Mike wants to know how come Prince didn't acknowledge him. So I'm like, this is really uncomfortable because nigga, you sitting right next to me. Like, why didn't you tell me? So, so I'm like, oh, Mike, I'm really sorry. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's really respecting your, your privacy, Mike. Like, so he's like, oh, I gotta go. So then he gets up and leaves like, meet me in my house for breakfast in the morning. Be there at 9 a.m. Let's start working on music in my house. So I'm like, damn, I hope, man, I hope he ain't mad or offended. So then I go in his house, 9 o'clock in the morning. And right when I open the door, he says, why was Prince playing the bass in my face? I was like, oh, I think he was just excited that you were there. And he's like, no, you don't understand. Prince is a meaning." He's a meanie. We've been at it. We've been at it with each other. He did it again. He, he always wants to one-up me and stuff. And the, and the press always said he was a songwriter. And I was a dancer. Like, I write songs, too. I wrote all these songs, and they don't want even acknowledge. I was like, Mike, you are the greatest dancer in the world. I know, but I'm also a songwriter. And I'm just telling you this right now so we can get inspired for the song that we're writing. But he is a meanie. I was like, no, no, he didn't mean it that way. He was like, yes, he did. One time he tried to run me and my mama over with the car. I'm like, (laughs) I was like, what what do you mean? (laughs) He was like, he tried to run me and my mama. Michael Jackson's mother over with a car? Hold on, bro. He was like, Yeah. I was like, and that's when I was like, you know what? I don't want to even go into it. I don't want to go into it. So we started working. We started working on music. And then fast forward two months later, Quincy Jones calls me. He was like, hey man, it's Quincy, man. When are you gonna make my record, man? I heard you working with Michael, man. I was like, yeah, you know? He was like, good luck, man. Good luck, man. It's gonna take you forever to make that record, man. I was like, no, it's going cool. He's like, how long you been working, man? I was like, well, we've been working for about a year and a half, that's exactly what I'm saying, man. You know how long it took me to make Thriller, man? It took me two months, man. Two months, man, it cost me $150,000, man. I'm pretty sure you already, you already spent over. Millions of dollars, man. Good luck, man. I was like, no, no, no. Everything is great. He's like, I'm pretty sure it is great, man, but it ain't going to come out. I was like, no, no, it's it's going to be great, Quincy. You know, I I just, I, uh, I saw Mike the other day in Vegas. He came to see me perform with Prince. He was like, he did what, man? I was like, yeah, Michael came to see me perform with Prince. He was like, well, if you got Michael to go see you rock with Prince... Maybe there's some hope, man. Because one time, Prince tried to run Michael Jackson over with a car. So that was was real? I was like, are you serious? He told me that. He was like, well, man, go to YouTube, man, and Google Prince, Michael Jackson, James Brown, man. And at that concert, you're going to see why Prince thought Michael sabotaged him. Because they're both inspired by James Brown. So when you see this video on YouTube... After this thing, go on YouTube, type in Michael Jackson, Prince, James Brown. And you're gonna see James Brown say, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Micah, Micah, come up here Michael, Michael. So Prince, Michael gets up there and freaking kills the mic. He freaking dances, <laughs> singing and shit. Prince, um, James Brown's like proud of his like, his understudy. They, he's, Michael Jackson based everything off of his understanding and appreciation for James Brown. Right. So they were all performing for their mentor. Right. But then Michael Jackson goes up to James Brown's ear. And then James Brown gets on the mic, he's like, and give it up for Michael, because he insists, he insists that we call up Prince, Prince, Prince. You out there, Prince? And then you see Prince on getting a piggyback ride. I mean, I I can't make this shit up. He's getting a piggyback ride on his bodyguard, taking off the glove with his. Taking off the glove, bro. And then the, but he's on piggyback ride. The, 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 his, his security guard turns around and dumps him off on the stage. So then Prince, like super elaborate and flamboyant, he's like oh, doing this shit, his chest licking his hair back. And then he, he's like caressing the stroke, stroking the mic. Then he's like, ah, 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 ah. he does like a pterodactyl scream, and the crowd ain't moving. So then Prince goes and gets the bass guitar and like playing the bass, and he starts humping the bass, and the crowd's not reacting. Nothing. And so then Prince is like, he gets frustrated, so he tells the crowd to clap his hands. Not right. The crowd is barely clapping hands. So then Prince goes and grabs this this light pole, and then he probably thinks the light pole is secure. This fucking light pole collapses into the audience. So Prince has so, fucked up the whole show. He just so, so fucked so up the Prince, whole. So show. Michael Jackson. So Prince probably thought Michael Jackson sabotaged him and set him up, because he doesn't know what he was whispering into James Brown's ear, and he's probably on high or something. So the the rumor has it that after that show, he went berserk in a parking lot trying to run him over at, with the, in his car. And I'm not the only person... that wasn't just Quincy Jones. and Richie confirmed the same shit. Like, so that was the, that was the most. I'm sorry, that was a very long explanation for my two Prince Michael Jackson. Nah,
0: it was, listen. It was it was worth it, and it sh- I
1: didn't. I, I didn't. Re- I didn't know if Michael Jackson and Prince had beef, but that's beef right there. That's yo, that's- yo Check it out. K- Kitty wrinkles. Kitty wrinkles is right now. You just saw that shit, right? She says watching the YouTube video now. Oh man, I'm telling you, I'm not making this shit up. That shit for fucking real, bro. That's like the Quincy Jones and uh, sorry. Michael Jackson and and Prince is like Kanye and Drake feuds. Yeah, yeah, because I wouldn't say
0: it's Ja Rule and 50, it's Kanye and Drake. You're right. It's it's like super
1: friendly competition that gets a little extra. No, the reason why I put those two cats is because Ja Rule and 50 are not global. Right, right. That's like American, and I love 50 Cent. And 50 Cent is is global, but Ja Rule isn't... 50 Cent is international. There's a difference between international and global.
0: Global is where you can go anywhere on the planet and and they know your face.
1: Or know your face. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is global. Yes. Um, Kanye became global because of Yeezy. Before Yeezys, Kanye was just international. Drake is global... Crazy, crazy! Right? There's some people on here who be like, "What the fuck will I am talking about, nigga?" I'm global, so global that y'all don't even think I'm a black artist. That's I'm nigga. I'm dark, dark, dark. You don't know like, now. You black, the black artist. Black people black so the that the black community don't even think that I'm a black artist, which is detrimental to the black community. Because as a black community, we should be celebrating every export. Anything that's black or brown, we need to. That should be ours, bro. You know, so so Quincy Jones, I mean so Michael Jackson and Prince, global feud, even though a lot only a couple of people knew it, is like Kanye Drake. Lou John,
0: what's up? What's up, John? What's going on? You just missed the hilarious story about about Prince and Michael Jackson. You just missed it, bro. You're right. LeBron James is
1: is global. LeBron James, LeBron, LeBron James, LeBron James Global. Like basketball is global, bro. But you know soccer, football mm-hmm. it's global. is global. It's like that. The World Cup, that's global. The World Series is not global. No, 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 no. See, <laughs> Steve, people, and people. I'll explain it to you
0: like this. The World Cup is 20 Super Bowls,
1: basically. It's the Super Bowl 20 times. Yeah, no, the World Cup is like, yeah. It's like, the, the, the World, World Cup Olympics. is bigger than the fucking Olympics, and the Olympics is global. Yes. <laughs> the World Cup, bro, that's like... Something different.
0: Something yeah. different. Something something different. Tell, tell everybody what you're up to before you walk out the door, man. Tell everybody what you're up to before you walk out the door, because you, you dropped so much knowledge and told so many funny stories. There's nothing
1: else to say. Tell them what you're doing, man. Tell them what you're up to. So, Black Eyed Peas, we have a new record. Um, the last record we put out, that's like a pop record, was 2011, and uh, you know, having an eight-year break—that's uh, that could be suicidal. You don't, you don't. You don't come back from an eight-year break, especially as a trio. When the last time they saw you, you was a quartet. And when you the lat when you and the Filipino and the Mexican dude come back, the corporate side, or the executives are like, "Good luck." So Black Eyed Peas, we got dropped in 2019, and I uh, and I got I was hurt. I had a low point because uh, we were on Interscope for like 20 plus years, and so I was like, you know what? Let's make a Latin album. This Latin shit is real dope. Let's let's make a Latin album. So this was right after we did our our return to underground, boom bap, jazz, hip hop album, Masters of the Sun. And Masters of the Sun, like after this call, go Google Get It by Black Eyed Peas. Like we did, we damn near did like police shootings and reenacted a whole bunch of police brutality in 2018. And songs like Ring the Alarm and Street Living. check out Street Living where we're talking about like the, pr- the prison industrial complex. And, and I think that's the reason why they dropped this off at Interscope. They probably thought like Black IP's like top 40 charting albums and songs, like I got a feeling that's, that's, they're never going to do that again. So I was like, you know what? Let me show them, let me prove to them like, I still can make those kind of records. And I don't know why why I wanted to prove it to them. Like I don't need the money, but I just I just I just felt like let me show y'all. I, I felt hunger, hungry again. I felt like that same person that I was when I was like 17 years old, signing a ruthless, having to prove myself. And after Eazy-E passed away, like yo, I could prove myself. Like yo, I I want to make music to change my community, right? So I had that fire, like, ooh, I'm going to show y'all. And um, we 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 did the record while we were on tour. We toured together in Australia, bro. Like, we were dropped. We didn't have a record company. And not that, not that I need a record company. I don't, like, you know what I mean? I don't need a record company.
0: Hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't have a record company when we were
1: on tour in Australia? No. No? No. But, th- but your record was fucking popping out there. No, we we hadn't signed a Sony yet. That was just a single. Okay, okay, okay. gotcha. And um. And um. And and uh, we were we were dabbling in the in the Latin world. We collaborated with these with these Latin artists, Maluma. Thank you so much, Ozuna. We had all these songs in the can, and then Sony Sylvia Rhone, she was like. Because I was kind of like, hey. Y'all still want to fuck with the Black Eyed Peas in a major way to go back to top 40 so we could sell out stadiums again, even though we're a trio? Like, it's still a piece of me that felt like, I don't know why I felt insecure because I don't, I mean, I write the songs and do all the beats, but for some reason, I thought people only saw the Black Eyed Peas to be successful as a quartet. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah, y'all could do some some crazy, eclectic, cool, creative shit but we ain't really going to push y'all as a trio. Like, I really thought, like, I really, I re- I really was like, I fucked with my head. <clears throat> so I was like, you know what? Let me, let me do the hardest stunt in the world. Let me try to come back in top 40 at 45 years old and try to get number one records. And so J Balvin was the first cat that we we worked with and released. Maluma was the first collaboration that's out right now. And Ritmo went number one. Mamacita went number one. And it's, and, and the new song we have out with uh, Maluma is damn near. We got 5 million views in a day. And uh, the album is like jam packed with freaking like, singles, bro. Like Shakira's on a song with us. We got a song with Nicky Jams and Tyga song with French Montana like this album is like the best album I've ever made like the best album like single after single after single like Reapmo is has more views on streaming platforms and on YouTube than I got a feeling. I got a feeling it's a big fucking record I got a feeling it's a <laughs> fucking <clears throat> but on the streaming platforms is bigger <clears throat> Where's the love everybody knows where's the love but Reapmo's bigger on the stream of the numbers so, that's what black Peas are doing now. Is like getting going back to like like the the frequency that fills up stadiums mm-hmm. by yourself. Like, and and to all the folks that are out there, like yo, yo, this is for the streets. You got to know that sometimes when you that definition of streets is really for the prisons, and you got to know that. If you want to do something for the streets, save a school, adopt a school, educate tomorrow, educate kids today for tomorrow. That's the streets. You can rep the streets, you can protect the streets, or you can build the streets, because guess what? It's going to get gentrified anyway. And then we ain't, that ain't our streets no more, Brooklyn. That ain't our streets no more. That's been gentrified. You, 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 you speak truth. My final so question: If, if it's <laughs> going to be if it's going to be gentrified, why don't we develop that shit ourselves? Your and husband? why can't music be the freaking vehicle for us to make some make some capital and go out and like adopt that school like that that school that I went to or should have went to? I'm, i I'm gonna take responsibility for that. So I got a school in my neighborhood. I, I've had it for 11 years. We teach our kids robotics, computer science, um, uh, autonomy. Um, engineering and I got kids that graduated for four years now. I got kids that go to Brown University. I got a kid that's going to Dartmouth. I got a kid's going to Stanford, USC, UCLA. They're learning bioscience. They're learning freaking, you know, engineering and, and computer science. I got I got some freaking serious serious,
0: serious dudes. If you if you go to Dartmouth, if you go if you to places like that, you're definitely serious. Final question. Final question. Because there's so many gems that came from this one, man. Like, you gave me way more than I could have ever thought of. What is more important to tackle in today's world? Coronavirus or racism? You have a choice to defeat only one. Which one do you
1: defeat? When you say defeat, what you mean? It's gone. Eradicated. Huh.
0: Done, forget about it, over, doesn't exist. Coronavirus or racism? You got a choice. Which one is the most important to tackle? Which one is the one that we need all the resources behind right now? Is it coronavirus
1: or is it racism? Which one? Um, a black person solving coronavirus because then that to end racism too boom you think so (laughs) yes i know so because because that black person that solved coronavirus that white person's going to need that and they're going to see that black person globally totally different that's how you get both of them when we aim our youth to solve problems and it's no longer inclusion they know what our contribution is and what we're capable of and how we could solve problems so i would I would, so I would do it that way. Okay, I'll take, I'll take that, bro. Whew,
0: you gave me more than I thought, man. Listen, I'm a DM you. I need those records. Send them to me. Let's get to work,
1: bro. And, no, no, and, 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 and I say that because racism, that's taught. It's not, it's not a condition. You teach, no, it's taught. That, it's taught. You teach that, and then you reinforce that through popular culture, and you reinforce that what the word racism itself because racism is always from the perspective of white people being racist towards black people. The word racist itself is inf- makes black people inferior. So like, yeah, it's psychological, bro. One psychological, one is biological. So I would solve the psychological by having us solve biological problems, and then boom, that fucking psychological fucking paradox, that psychological handcuff is nuked. I, 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 I my,
0: my stance is: given the racism, I'll deal with the coronavirus. We can somehow we can handle that. But I like yours. I like yours combining both into one, brother. I love you. We'll talk later. Um, I'm going to DM you. Like I said, I'm going to get you, we, I'll get you whatever records you need and we'll get it done. I love you, man. All right, word out. Be safe, brother. Be safe, be safe. Right. That man gave y'all some shit tonight. That's, that's all I have to say. Like, I, I'm I'm, a very heavy thinker. That man gave y'all some shit tonight. Make Noise with Fat Man Scoop is produced by myself alongside Raj Kachetcha and the team at creativecontentagency.com. Please support this podcast by leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'd love that. And by following this podcast on Spotify and sharing links to episodes you enjoy with your friends. Do it. You can also email the show via podcast at FatManScoop.com. I answer that. Or you can DM me at Scoop. Yes, I answer DMs.